This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Breaking news, the Omicron variant is now the dominant strain here in the U.S. as America races to contain a Christmas COVID spike and hospitals already on the brink. Long lines at airports and at COVID testing sites as Americans prepare for another pandemic holiday. The new measures and mandates here in the U.S. and the new travel restrictions overseas. Plus, the warning tonight from the World Health Organization about your holiday plans. An event canceled is better than a life canceled. The president's roadblock. President Biden's domestic agenda hangs in the balance. Why Senator Joe Manchin says he's a no. And is there any hope for what would be historic investments in climate change and child care? Our wide-ranging interview with Vice President Kamala Harris. What she says about the future of President Biden's agenda and America's battle against Omicron. Is it the fault of the unvaccinated? The war on cancer. 50 years since President Nixon committed to fighting the disease. How far we've come and where the battle turns next. Tiger's remarkable return. Father and son tee off in Woods' first tournament since that horrific crash 10 months ago. How the duo fared on the fairway. And bringing Christmas cheer. A children's hospital making the holidays extra bright for some very special kids. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell. Reporting from the nation's capital. 
Good evening, and thank you for joining us. I'm Margaret Brennan, in for Nora. We begin with breaking news from the CDC. In just three weeks since the first case of that Omicron variant was confirmed here in the U.S., it is now the dominant strain, proving just how quickly the mutation spreads. Omicron now accounts for 73% of new infections, and that's a nearly six-fold increase in only one week. And with Christmas just five days away, there is concern tonight about Americans getting on airplanes, hitting the road and spreading coronavirus. Today, the World Health Organization urged people to cancel some of their plans. This holiday surge has rattled financial markets around the world. On Wall Street, the Dow fell more than 400 points, its third consecutive day of declines. In Europe, cases are surging. And we'll have more on that in a moment. But here in the U.S., New York City continues to be the epicenter of cases. And that is where we find Nancy Chen outside a testing site. Good evening to you, Nancy. Margaret, good evening to you. Not only does the CDC now say that Omicron is the dominant variant, but it also counts for more than 90 percent of new cases in the New York area, as well as other parts of the country. All this as New York State breaks the record in new COVID cases for fourth straight day. In New York City, where 71% of eligible residents are fully vaccinated, a race against the Omicron variant. It's very transmissible. It moves fast. We have to move faster. There's a surge in demand for COVID tests, and the wait can take hours. And here's what happened in one line. You guys are here for COVID tests. I don't have it. In Washington, D.C., the mayor declared a state of emergency today and new restrictions. Uh, we will be instituting DC a D.C. government vaccine mandate uh, to include boosters. But there is positive news today for Moderna. The company revealing a new study showing its booster provides a 37-fold increase in antibodies against Omicron compared to its two-dose regimen. And there's fresh evidence of COVID's startling impact on the unvaccinated. The Massachusetts Health Department reports that those who have not received a vaccine dose are 31 times more likely to test positive than those who are vaccinated with a booster. And despite reports of breakthrough cases, the CDC says nationwide, those who are unvaccinated are 20 times more likely to die from COVID than those who are boosted. In Texas today, officials announced the first known COVID death related to Omicron. At Houston Methodist Hospital, more than 80 percent of new symptomatic COVID cases are Omicron. It took Delta three months to reach that level, with Omicron less than three weeks. It's really blown Delta out of the water in terms of how quickly it has spread. How bad could this get? I think that Omicron is likely to become 100 percent of the isolates we're seeing in Houston Uh, easily by the end of the year, if if not by Christmas. The director general of the World Health Organization is now urging people around the globe to consider canceling at least some holiday plans. In Houston, Dr. Wesley Long agrees. My hope is that people saw family members safely during Thanksgiving and, and can delay what would be traditional holiday gatherings maybe into January or February. And Americans are still traveling for the holidays. The TSA expects to screen nearly 30 million people between now and January 3rd. Here in New York, no word yet on if the big New Year's Eve celebration in Times Square will go on as planned, Margaret. Nancy, thank you. Well, overseas tonight, Europe is dealing with a COVID surge of their own, forcing governments to issue new restrictions and lockdowns. CBS's Roxana Saberi reports from London, where Omicron infections are exploding in numbers. 
Protests against COVID restrictions turned tense in London and in Brussels this weekend as demonstrators clashed with police. Across Europe, countries are battling to contain the Omicron variant heading into Christmas. The Netherlands has imposed its fourth lockdown, closing non-essential shops, bars and restaurants. Denmark has shut down theaters, museums and cinemas. In Germany, gatherings could reportedly soon be limited to up to 10 people. And some travelers arriving in the country must now quarantine for two weeks. The UK, meanwhile, is racing to give all adults a booster shot by the end of the year, but is not reimposing severe restrictions yet, says British Prime Minister Boris Johnson. Unfortunately, I must say to people, we, we will have to reserve the, the possibility of taking further action to, to protect the public. One event that won't be going ahead here in London is the annual New Year's Eve celebration in Trafalgar Square. Mayor Sadiq Khan announced tonight it will be cancelled to reduce the spread of the virus. Margaret? Roxana, thank you. Well, the signature piece of President Biden's legislative agenda, the sweeping $2 trillion spending bill, is now on life support. He does not have enough votes from Senate Democrats to pass it. And tonight, his own party is playing the blame game. We get the latest from CBS's Ed O'Keefe at the White House. The White House tonight refusing to give up on the president's top legislative priority. We are going to continue to uh, take steps, work like hell to get it done. After key Democratic Senator Joe Manchin dashed any hopes for its passage on Sunday. I cannot vote to continue with this piece of legislation. I just can't. The decision stunned the White House. They called it a breach of his commitments to the president, but Manchin has always been concerned with the size and scope of the president's plan. Today, the senator blamed White House staff without offering details. And they drove some things and they put some things out that were absolutely in, in, inexcusable. Tax the rich! And the far left for trying to pressure him. Well, guess what? I'm from West Virginia. I'm not from where they're from. And they can just beat the living crap out of people and think they'll be submissive. Period. Manchin's objections put much of the president's domestic agenda at risk. Nearly $2 trillion to fight climate change, expand child care, Medicare, and universal pre-K programs. And it would have renewed an expiring tax credit for more than 35 million families with children. Progressives quickly denounced Manchin, saying they'd warned he might do this. I really am uh, just completely disappointed and disgusted by his reasoning. And today, they said Democratic leaders need to take the kid gloves off in future negotiations. Of course, we have every right to be furious with Joe Manchin, but it's really up to leadership in the Democratic Party uh, who, you know, made the decision to get us to this juncture and how we're going to move forward. Tonight, CBS News has learned President Biden and Senator Manchin spoke Sunday evening and that it went well. And Senate Democrats still plan to debate the president's plan next month when they get back to Washington, hoping to force Senator Manchin to express his opposition not just on the airwaves, but also on the Senate floor. Margaret? Saga continues. Thank you, Ed. Now, our exclusive interview with Vice President Kamala Harris. With a 50-50 split among Democrats and Republicans in the Senate, the vice president was expected to cast the tie-breaking vote to send Build Back Better to the president's desk. But now it is not clear how they'll revive it. Do you feel that Senator Manchin is playing fair with you? I mean, he went on television and said no pretty definitively. 
I think the stakes are too high for this to be in any way about any specific individual. It's a 50-50 Senate, though, so you it need is. I'm the tiebreaker. Exactly. Tie the stakes are so high. I refuse to get caught up in the what might be personal politics when the people who are waking up at 3 o'clock in the morning worried about how they're going to get by could care less about the politics of D.C. So you don't feel betrayed? No, I don't feel, I don't have any personal feelings about this. This is about let's get the job done. Let's talk with families who say, I can't afford to do the basic things that I need to do as a responsible adult, like care for my children, care for my older parents, or afford to get life-saving medication like insulin. How do you do that without Senator Manchin? You don't give up. That's how we do it. Medical experts are projecting that we could see as many as a million infections per day because of this new Omicron variant. Is our health care system prepared for what's coming? We are prepared for it. But particularly in the Northeast, we're already seeing hospitals overwhelmed with Delta. Mm -hmm. Inflation is real. It's going to be with us as long as the pandemic dominates. When can you tell the American people this will end? We have the power today to go out, and if you've not been boosted, go get boosted. The power today to go and get vaccinated. And that will have an impact on where we end up to tomorrow. Is it the fault of the unvaccinated? I don't think this is a moment to talk about fault. It, it, it is no one's fault that, that this virus hit our shores or hit the world. But it is more about individual power and responsibility. And it's about the, the decisions that everyone has the choice to make, no doubt. There are 100,000 Russian troops on the border with Ukraine. Are we going to see a hot war in Europe in the next few weeks? We are having direct conversations with Russia. We are very clear that, uh, that Russia should not invade the sovereignty of Ukraine. We are prepared to issue sanctions like you've not seen before. Does that mean sanctioning Vladimir Putin directly? I am not going to talk about specific sanctions, but we are making that clear to him. And we will have more of our exclusive interview with Vice President Harris tomorrow on CBS Mornings and Sunday on Face the Nation. Tonight, we are hearing more about the dramatic end of a two-month-long hostage situation in Haiti. The 12 Christian missionaries freed last week say they made a daring escape by breaking down a door and hiking across rugged terrain. They were part of a group of 17 missionaries, including young children, who were abducted by a gang demanding a million dollars per hostage. The group says it raised money to pay the ransom, but still had to escape to freedom. CBS News has not been able to verify some parts of the group's story. It was 50 years ago this week that President Richard Nixon signed the National Cancer Act, launching the war on cancer. And since then, fatality rates for all cancers have dropped 27 percent. In our special series, CBS's Dr. John LaPook reports on the progress we've made and how far we have to go. When President Richard Nixon signed the National Cancer Act just before Christmas in 1971, cancer was so mysterious and frightening, it was often called the Big C. You will have, of course, the total commitment of government. In the past 25 years, the cancer mortality rate has increased over 20 percent. It was an all-out effort to bring cancer out of the shadows. The law established a national program to study the inner workings of cancer cells and find their weak spots. That was really a momentous act. Dr. Lisa DeAngelis is a neuro-oncologist and physician-in-chief at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. 
It established a pipeline of discovery that is continuing today. That pipeline has led to success stories. New treatments harness the power of the immune system to seek out and destroy cancer cells. Knowing the genetics of tumor mutations allows doctors to personalize treatments. Diagnosis, question of melanoma. Back then, we probably would have said it was perhaps 40 diseases. Now we think of it as more like 400 diseases. And that actually means that we've had to develop treatments that are unique and specific to each subtype of cancer. How were we able to know that there were these different types of cancers? Was it genomic research? The genomics have really given us insight into the many different ways that a cancer can form, even when two different cancers look exactly the same under the microscope. That is so key, Lisa, right? There was nothing like this when we started medical school. That was 1976 in New York City. Dr. DeAngelis and I were classmates at Columbia. People were afraid to tell a patient that they had a diagnosis of cancer. Family members were always saying, don't tell mom, don't tell dad. The treatments were often brutal, quite honestly. And now chemotherapy is given as an outpatient. Medications now lessen the side effects of chemotherapy, and more targeted therapies can kill cancer cells while sparing normal ones. But challenges remain. For example, pancreatic and brain cancers have especially low survival rates. We're 50 years into a war that's continuing. That's a long war. The war analogy may not have been apt. The concept was that we were going to be able to treat or eradicate all cancer. But that is not what happened, and it's not ever going to happen. Moving forward, we need to improve early detection, which has been such a powerful tool. Take colonoscopy, which finds and removes polyps before they can turn into cancer. Now researchers are working on using blood tests to find cancer cells at the earliest stages. Margaret, I'm optimistic. I hope we can all be. Thank you, doctor. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Breaking tonight, actor Chris Noth has been fired from the CBS crime drama The Equalizer amid allegations of sexual assault. CBS and Universal Television say Noth will appear in reruns and one new episode that has already been filmed. At least two women came forward last week saying the Sex and the City star assaulted them in 2004 and 2015. Noth says the encounters were consensual. 
Procter & Gamble has recalled more than 30 aerosol spray hair care products, warning they could contain benzene, which is a cancer-causing chemical. The voluntary recall impacts some batches of dry shampoos and dry conditioners under the brand names Pantene, Herbal Essences, Old Spice, and Aussie. Tiger Woods made a remarkable return to competitive golf over the weekend, 10 months after he badly injured his leg in a car crash. Woods and his son Charlie finished second at the PNC Championship in Florida. That is a tournament for pro golfers and family members. Woods told CBS's Dame Jacobson that being out there felt like a personal victory. And to have this opportunity to be able to play with my son and to have these memories, you know, for us, both of us, for a lifetime, um, it's, it's worth all the pain. Now, Woods had a slight limp as a result of the crash, but it's an incredible recovery after many thought he may not walk or play again. Christmas is about giving, family and hope. CBS's Jan Crawford reports hope is exactly what she found at Children's National Hospital in Washington. Nine-month-old Marvin Hernandez, born with a rare heart condition, will spend Christmas here at Children's National Hospital in D.C., where he has spent every single day of his life. These are his Christmas lights. Without a sleigh, Mom Joanna commutes from Richmond, Virginia, two hours away. What are your hopes for Christmas. What I want for Christmas this year would be just for him to be okay. About 300 kids will spend their holidays in the hospital. 17-year-old Joshua Alton will visit the holiday lights in the healing garden. you have any special hopes for the new year? To be done with cancer next year, not have a tumor in my spine anymore, hopefully, and start walking again. Some kids have smaller wishes, too. We've got a dog, we got some blocks, we have a little plastic phone. So Santa set up a workshop here to make the holidays a little more normal and magical. It's so fun seeing the patients open their bags on Christmas. They wake up and they get so excited because they don't know that Santa can come to the hospital. Marvin is too young to know about Christmas, but his mom believes there are angels here. I know that he is well taken care of and I have peace. Peace and hope for the new year. Jan Crawford, CBS News, Washington. On tomorrow's CBS Evening News, the racial divide in fighting cancer in our special series, The War on Cancer. If you can't watch live, don't forget to set your DVR so you can watch us later. And that is tonight's CBS Evening News. For Nora O'Donnell, I'm Margaret Brennan. Good night. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert. And I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert. And I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. So what do people get when they listen to The Late Show Pod Show? Let's, let's sell this thing. The extended moments, for sure. Because we run out of time for broadcast, but we have plenty of time on the podcast. It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed 
or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts.